before I continue, I apologize for the screen. I know it's going crazy, and sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, it's too much. But uh, the connection issue, there's a connection issue, and we're talking with BCC to get that figured out. So thank you for your patience, and uh, sorry about that. It's kind of a little bit annoying. But <clears throat> all right. Uh, I have the privilege of being able to share God's word with you guys today, and I want to start off by asking you guys uh, if you could turn to the person next to you and tell them who is the craziest celebrity uh, that you've ever met, all right? The craziest, the coolest, the most famous, whoever, like, who, and, and where did you meet them and all that stuff? You're the celebrity. All right. It sounds like there's a couple cool ones. Uh, anyone? Anyone? Any cool, famous, famous celebrities? Anyone? Yes. Oh, Jim Belushi? Uh... Sorry, I, I, I'm not familiar with you. I'm sure he's famous, though. Yeah, sorry, you raised your hand. Shaq. Yeah, I know Shaq. Yeah, Shaq's pretty famous. He's an A-lister. Yes, over here somewhere. Someone said, was raised there. Shaq? Oh! Is that, actually, come to think of it, I saw Dennis Rodman around here, too. So, um, so if... <laughs> that's my wife over there. Uh, so, I... <laughs> If I were sitting in this seat, right, and you know, I was asked that question, you know, a few weeks ago, this, this is what I would have said, right? Because a few weeks ago, I met this local basketball legend, right, of Braille Linda. His name is Kyle Fogg. Do you guys, anyone know who Kyle Fogg is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I told you the story already. Hi. All right. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's not an A-lister or a B-lister, but... Let me just explain, all right? So he's not a crazy or a crazy famous guy, but he played at Brayolinda High School, you know, just right here, if you guys know who, where Brayolinda High School is. Uh, and then he got a basketball scholarship to the University of Arizona. Uh, you know, if you are a basketball player and you're trying to get a basketball scholarship, the University of Arizona is probably in your top five that you want to get into. Uh, and then after, you know, he tried out for a lot of NBA teams, didn't stick on a lot of them, he went to practice squads and all that stuff. But he ended up playing in Europe, where he you know, won multiple MVPs in Europe. And <clears throat> there's also this summer tournament that he comes down for. He still lives in Brea. He uh, plays in this summer tournament called the basketball tournament, where there's this $2 million purse of ex-NBA players, ex-college players. They come together, and they play the single elimination tournament. And he's won it. His team has won it the last four out of the five years. And he's been the MVP every one of those years. And so he's, you know, he's a pretty big deal. And he uh, plays right now in China. But he's here for the summer. But I got a chance to meet him at uh, 24 Hour Fitness at Brea. You know, I, uh, me and a group of guys, we play there on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, but this time, I, Labor Day or something happened, so I had to play on Tuesday. And I saw him there. And you know, all of us, we usually see him there. And he's usually playing in the morning. Uh, working out from 7, and then he finishes at 8, and that's when we come, right? So he's usually kind of leaving, and we're like, oh my gosh, hey guys, that's Kyle Fogg, da 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 that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so that same thing happened. He was there, he just finished working out, he was sitting there with his trainer, and we were getting ready to play, 
And uh, you know, I was making my team, and then it was my turn to play. And he stands up, and he comes. And I was like, oh, wait, you're going to play? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to play. So we're like, oh, shoot. And so he, I let him come onto my team. And we won you know, every single game from then on. And I'm still sore. My hamstrings are still killing me from then. But it was cool. So afterwards, you know, I, I got to meet him, and I was like, hey, so Kyle, you know, I know I've heard of you, and you know, I know you're <clears throat> you know, playing in China and Europe and all this stuff. It's awesome. Good luck, man. He's like, oh, thanks a lot. And we you know, shake hands, and I'm leaving. And he goes, hey, Paul. And I turn around, and he goes, hey, what's your IG? And I was like, IG? What's, what's IG, right? I was like, what are you talking about? I thought he was asking for my ID. And so I was like, is something shady, right? Is he going to, why is he, I was like, why, why do you want my IG? It's like, yeah, your IG, your Instagram. So all the people around, they heard, they're like, they're, he's asking you for your Instagram handle. And I was like, oh, okay. So I gave him my Instagram. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll hit you up next time I'm, I'm, I, we play basketball. And I was like, uh, sure, yeah, okay, yeah. That's not going to happen. But anyhow, I follow him. He follows me. And I message him. I say, hey, this is Paul, the guy I played with at 24, just in case you know, he forgets. And he's like, oh, right, cool, man. I'll, tell, I'll call you later. I'll say, oh, yeah, whatever. Next morning, I'm so sore, right, because I've never played that hard in a long time. <laughs> and, you know, Janet had the day off, so I was planning to have a leisure morning, just leisurely morning, just eating breakfast with her and, you know, going to work by 10. And I'm on my phone at 7 o'clock. I get this DM. He's like, hey, are you hooping today? I was like, oh, just like that. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and I get it. And I was like, Janet, I got to go. And then, so I just left. But she, the awesome one, she understood. She understood my heart, right? So I, I go there and had the worst you know, day of basketball in my life because I couldn't run or jump or anything. But I had a conversation with him and find out he's a really good Christian. I'm trying to invite him to Mississippi and doing all this stuff. But I was so surprised that he would want to talk with me, right? This four-time you know, European all-star, He's probably made millions already at this point. He's not famous, according to you guys, but he's, to me, he's famous uh, you know, as well. And, and I'm thinking, wow, he wants to connect with me. And I thought that was so, uh, there, it made me giddy, right? I, at some point, I was like checking my phone. I was like, oh, did he respond yet? And I was like, why isn't he responding? Check if my notifications are on or off. And you know, I, I was feeling all giddy. And I was like, well, I've never felt like this before. No, I'm just kidding. My wife and my wife. But I, I was thinking, you know, what, what's going on right now? And I couldn't stop telling people about it, as some of you guys have found out. But the funny thing is that, that he's just a dude, right? He's just an average guy. I mean, you guys didn't even know who he was, and he just plays basketball. He's not famous. But for me, it was amazing that he would want to have a conversation with me and that he would want to open up these lines of communication. Now, the reason why I share this, and I promise there's a point, is because when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, where we're at today, what we see is that Jesus is telling us that God of heaven, the creator of the universe, he is opening up a line of communication with us. He's asking us for our Instagram handle and saying, hey, I want to talk with you. And, and I think, you know, Kyle's just a guy, but this is the God of the universe, the creator of all things. And when we talk about riches, he is the wealthiest because he's created everything. 
And when we talk about infinite wisdom, we talk about infinite glory, uh, the most famous where every tongue, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is it when it comes to famous A-list celebrities. And he's the one that says, hey, he singles you out. I want to I speak with you. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And, you know, it would have been weird if Kalafai was like, hey, I want to hang out with you. And if you need anything, you know, if you want me to buy you anything or if you want me to get you, let me know and I'll get it for you. That's weird, right? But look at what it says. The God of the universe, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. God not only opens up these lines of communication and says, I want to talk to you. He says, ask me. Ask me for what you want, what you need, what's on your heart. And not only does he say, I'm going to hear it. He says, I'm going to answer this. Now, for the Bible nerd, for the, for the Greek geek, uh, there's a lot of nuances here that you don't see in the English translation, right? And I want to emphasize these things. I want to show it to you and I'll highlight it. The first is that these verbs ask, seek, and knock are in the imperative mood, which means that he is essentially commanding us. Not only is he inviting us and he wants us to do it, he's saying, ask, almost as if like in the English language, if there was an exclamation mark in a bold, right? Ask, seek, knock, like he's telling us, do it, right? But not only that, it's in the present tense, which means uh, it's indicating this continual aspect where it's continually ask, continually seek, continually knock. It's not like this genie where you find this guy and you're like, all right, you have three wishes. Let me know what those three things are, and then we're done. But God is saying, continually come to me. And on top of that, what we see is that scholars say this idea of ask, seek, and knock is intensifying this request, where you're first being polite, you're asking, and then you're like, come on, where is it? Hey, by the way, did you forget? And then knocking is just, hello, you know, can you, are you going to get me what I want? Are, are you hearing me? And he's saying, do this. And then, so he, he says those same words three times in intensifying order. And then verse 8, he repeats it, right? It's like he's underlining it, highlighting it, italicizing it, putting arrows on it. And he's saying, ask, seek, and knock. He wants that from us. He invites us to do it, and he commands us to do it, to pray and ask him for your requests. And the amazing thing is that he wants to answer. Verse 7, 8 again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one, it will be opened. God is not a God that's too busy for us, who says, okay, well, uh, I'm going to put you on the wait list. You know, God's not a God who says, uh, well, that's a little too difficult. You know, you're asking for quite a bit. Or God's not a God that says, well, you're just a peon. You know, you're just, you're beneath me. I don't want to answer your prayer. God is saying, all of you, singling us out and saying, I want to answer your prayer request. So ask, seek, and knock. Now, to the audience who is living in this uh, Roman and Greek society, uh, filled with Roman and Greek mythology, where 
They had deities who were constantly jealous, uh, selfish, uh, fickle, vindictive. Uh, y- you know, you wouldn't know where these gods were. Like, if they were bored, they would just mess with you. And if they felt like messing with you, they could take your crops, kill your children, or whatever, and you would offer these sacrifices hoping to appease them. But even those, you had no idea what was going to happen. So they would offer these sacrifices just hoping and praying that this would appease them. But they were always unsure, depending on where the wind blew. That's how they responded. But to have a kind of God who says, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I want to hear your requests. And I want to answer them. This was absolutely mind-blowing for them. So what kind of God is this that would answer and hear our requests and would want to hear and answer our requests? And so Jesus here, he appeals to them. And he he tells them, This is God, different from all the other deities that you're following. This is God, the Father. And he appeals to God as the Father, as a reason why he wants to hear and answer our requests. Right? Look at verse 9 to 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. You know, I think this parent-child metaphor is so powerful because every single one of us, whether for good or bad, uh, whether we had a good example or a bad example, we've all had a father. We've all had a mother. We've all had parents um, who we've asked requests for. And we all can relate, and we know that it sucks if you want a piece of bread and they give you a rock. Like, you can intimately know, like, yeah, that absolutely sucks. If someone, if you ask your parents for fish and they give you a snake and they're like, ah, you know that that sucks. Because it's not even them saying, I'm not going to give you the bread. I'm not going to give you the fish. They're saying, I'm going to give you something much worse, right? And so instinctively, as people who have had parents, we know that. And not only that, you know, I know all the parents here at our church, they're awesome parents, and they always want to give the best to their children, right? Yeah, you guys are always giving them the best of your time, the best of your resources, the best of everything. You guys are awesome parents. So it makes sense for you guys to say, yeah, if my kid asks for a piece of bread, I'm not going to give them a, a stone and chuck it at their face. Or I'm not gonna, if they ask for a fish, I'm not going to give them a snake, right? It makes no sense. That's a horrible, horrible, horrible parent. And so Jesus gets to that point, and he says, His contention is this. If you, who are evil, who are sinners, who even at some times you're like, I know what's best for my kid, but it's a lot of money. Or, oh, it's a lot of effort on my part. You know, I have to drive all the way to where? Or, you know, and and sometimes you're just selfish, right? You're just like, man, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. Or, you know, that's going to invade my privacy or my resources. So there are certain times when we don't want to give to our kids. And he says, you, being evil, you guys even know how to give good gifts to your children, right? Like, there are some times when you're selfish and all that, but for the most part, you do like giving good gifts to your children. But God, how much more so will God, who is perfect in, his, in the amount of resources that he has, is unending, in his wisdom to know that if he gives you this, how it's going to affect you, how much more so 
will God give good gifts? If you know that even us, as people, as sinners, know how to give gifts, good gifts. And so he's appealing to God as the Father and saying, come and pray to him. Come and ask him. Come and seek him. Because just as your parents want to provide and give you what's best, imagine what God the Father can do. Imagine how much he can provide for you, how much he can give to you. And the application is just to ask. Verse 11, one more time. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? To those who ask him. That's who it's for, those who ask. You know, I think as we get older, and I think as we become more responsible for people and other things, we become more independent. And I feel like this command goes at the heart of that, where we're called to be like that child who is desperate for his parents' supply and resources. He knows that there is no other way that I can receive this unless my mom or my dad is the one that's providing it for me. And to come with that childlike faith, to know that, oh, I know that they can provide that. And so this is what, this is the heart that Jesus is calling us to come to him with because God wants to hear and he wants to answer. Now, I think on the surface, this, this message, it could just end there and it's like, wow, you know, I'm inspired. I want to pray because he hears us, he answers us. But there is a tension, right? There's a tension. There's, a, there's something with me and maybe with you guys that doesn't sit right with this passage. Because in Scripture, you read and you know that you ask and you receive. You seek and you find. You knock and the door will be open. But there are some prayers that you have been praying for days, for weeks, for months, for years that have not yet been answered. And <clears throat> you're praying and you're praying and you're like, what, what's going on? You know, I know what scripture says, but my prayers aren't being answered. Maybe it's something to do with finances. You know, you're, you're struggling with finances. You're uh, having a hard time even just making uh, ends meet. And every time you're like, I'm living month to month, week by week, day by day. And it seems like no matter how much I pray, it's not getting any better. In fact, it seems like it's getting worse. I'm losing more uh, finances, and it just seems hopeless. Or maybe you're in a job or you're in a career, and you feel like you're in a rut. You're stuck. And you feel like, God, I want a new opportunity. Please show me what I can do and how I can get out of here. And you're praying and praying and praying, but you're just, you feel like you're stuck in this dead-end job. And it pays just enough for you to get by, and so you're there but that's not where you want to be and you're frustrated and you're praying, but God's not opening any doors and you're knocking and it's not opening and you're just like, God, where are you? Or maybe you're uh, single and you want to get married, right? And, and you've been praying and you're asking for opportunities and you're knocking, but there's no doors that are opening. Or something serious like you're you're praying for the salvation of a loved one, a family member or a friend, and you're like, this is spiritual, this is holy, this is something that is good, right? And you're asking God for it, and yet, day by day, week by week, year after year, you feel like God is not answering that prayer request. Now, 
there have been these situations, and the danger is that when people are hearing this and feeling like this, and they feel like year after year God's not listening to their prayer, what ends up happening is that they start to become jaded. They start to become frustrated. They start to say, you know what? Okay, then maybe God can't answer my prayers. Maybe God doesn't want to answer my prayers. Or maybe God doesn't exist, so he's not answering my prayers. And they start to go through this, down this rabbit hole. And they, they start to turn away from the church, start to turn away from God. And it's dangerous. And they see what Matthew 7 is saying, and they're like, but that promise is not true for me. That's not what I've experienced in my life. And they stop. And maybe for you guys, it's not to that extreme. But maybe for some of us, we felt a little bit of that, where we feel like God's not answering. And maybe some of us have even just stopped praying altogether because it's like, oh, really, what's, what's the point? Does God really answer? Does God really hear? Well, I think it's so important for us today, as we look at this passage, to do proper justice to this passage, to really understand what this passage is saying uh, so that we are not discouraged, so that we don't fall into the same trap of being uh, jaded and turned from God because of that, right? Uh, We need to see if we could resolve what we see in Scripture about asking you'll receive, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will open, with what we're experiencing on a daily basis. Well, when we're praying and we feel like God is not opening those doors and not answering and not, we're not able to find the answers that we're looking for. And I think the key is this, that we have to, in this passage, uh, understand what he means by good gifts. Okay? We have to understand what he means by good gifts. Look back at verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, what you have to see is that Jesus says that God knows how to give good gifts and good things instead of knows how to give you what you want. And there's a difference, right? There's a difference between getting what you want and getting what God tells you is the best gift. Sometimes there's a difference. Sometimes it's the same thing. You know, I think as parents, we can understand this. We would never give our kids what they ask for if we know that it's not good for them, right? If they ask for an endless supply of candy, you're not going to give it to them. Uh, If they say, or if the baby is asking for YouTube and they're like, I want to watch it all day, you're not going to give it to them all day, right? If you see uh, a teenager that's like, God, or not God, Dad, give me unlimited money and give me no curfew. And they're asking for that, you know, you you wouldn't give to them, right? Because you know what's best for them. Conversely, sometimes the good things that you want to give them are not what they want, right? So they'll ask for fast food. And you'll say, no, I'm going to give you something you don't want. I'm going to give you some healthy food. Uh, Well, they ask to play video games. And you'll say, no, I'm going to give you something that you don't want, but I know is a good gift for you after school tutoring and sports, right? That was a painful one. But parents know, right? Parents know what's good for their kids, and they want to give them the best gift, not necessarily what the kids are asking for. And I think that's what this passage is getting at, that when you ask, you will receive, but not necessarily what you're asking for. When you seek, you will find, but maybe something different than what you were intending to find. 
when you knock, the door will be open, but not the door maybe that you were expecting to be opened. The verse here is saying, even for us as parents, we know how to give good gifts. Then how much more so will God the Father know how to give the perfect gift? How much more so will he be able to give the gift that is exactly what you and I need? So the question, I think, is not, why doesn't God hear me? Or why can't God answer my prayers? Or is God really good? I don't think the spotlight should be on God here, or we're accusing him. I think the spotlight should be on us. And the question that we have to ask us is, do we trust God enough to say that his gifts, his good gifts, are what we need, even when it's not what we're asking for? Even when it's not what we're asking for, even the things that we're pleading for, if we need to ask ourselves, are we going to say, I still trust in you, Lord? I want to have faith in you that what you want for me is the perfect gift, even if it goes against what I'm asking for. Um, if I could be a little personal, uh, and just to let you guys know, I got permission from my wife to talk about this. So, you know, some people after were like, are you allowed to say that? But uh, Jen and I, we were, you know, we were trying to get pregnant for about four or five years. And probably one of the hardest things that we had to go through uh, so far in our seven and a half years of marriage. Um, and at a certain point, I think, as we're praying, as we're praying for a child, as we're praying for a child and asking God for a baby, we had to come to a point where we had to say, okay, we have to mourn and say, there is a possibility that God might not give us a child. Right? And we have to come to that point. And we have to mourn it and say, as hard as that sounds, we have to come to that point that it could possibly happen. That the fact that us not having a child might be God's best gift for us. Man, that... That is one of the hardest things to try to convince yourself of, right? Because you want this so bad to say, maybe God wants us to, you know, just be a couple so that we can go out to uh, missions and be flexible and to do things that, you know, we normally wouldn't have been able to if we had a kid. And so we're talking about all these things and we had to come to a point where that was something that in our faith that we had to grow in to say, God, this might not be what we're asking for, but if we trust in you that your gifts are the best and they're the perfect gift, God, help us to be okay with that. Um, to know even something like in James 1.17, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Um, and even for us, um, in those times when God isn't, answering and giving us what we want. I think the answer isn't, God, give me that. Give me this. This is what I want. But I think the answer, or the prayer that, we, that, that gets transformed is, God, increase my faith. Teach me what it means to trust in you in the hardest of times, in, in my deepest need. What we're essentially asking for is for the Holy Spirit to come and strengthen us, to encourage us, to, to instruct us and show us 
what God's plan is, the greater gift, right? I think the coolest thing about this passage is that when you look at Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it's the parallel passage, right? It's the same exact passage, but in Luke, and it's talking about prayer, and this is what it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see what was changed? Instead of that last part, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? He's changed it. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, God understands that as He gives these perfect gifts, that we'll struggle with it, that there's this tension because there are certain other things that we want, that we've been asking for, that we were longing for. But sometimes God doesn't answer in that way. But He has us, uh, he, but we receive in other ways, that we find in other ways, that doors are open in other ways. And he says, the Holy Spirit is given to us to comfort us, to teach us, to encourage us, to exhort us in the right way, in what the perfect gift is. And so the prayer is, God, help me to see things the way you see them. Help me to see your perfect gift and trust that that is what is best for me. And maybe your request is not about having children, but there are other pressing needs and worries and stresses. This is the hardest prayer to pray, but the prayer of faith is, God, Give me your best gift. Not, God, give me this and this and this gift and this present, but God, give me your best gift. That's the prayer of faith. Matthew 6, 33. I think this fits right in with uh, the passage because it's the chapter right after. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Now, for those of you who have these deep prayer requests, right, these deep needs, and you've been toiling with God and praying and crying, I don't want to minimize your need and what you're going through and just say, well, suck it up and have faith. You just need to go through it and trust God, right? I don't think that's what God wants uh, because God is a compassionate God. God is a compassionate God. He understands our felt needs. He sympathizes with us. He knows the desires in our hearts. His heart breaks when our hearts break. And we see throughout Scripture, like in, for David and Moses and Abraham and Hannah and Sarah, as they bring their prayer requests to God, God hears them. And God understands what they're going through. But in the end of all those prayers, in the end of all those cries, uh, there is a humble submission. That yet not my will, but your will be done. Like David, at the end of every psalm, He's crying and angry, but at the end he says, but you know, in the end, I trust in you because I know that you will make all things right. And for us, even as we pray, you know, it's so important for us to offer up our honest and genuine prayer requests, but in the end, to have this humble submission to God. And it's hard. You know, it's a process. But the amazing thing about this is that God never leaves us without an example, without the perfect example the example of Jesus Christ. And we find it in, uh, in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where in a few hours he is going to be arrested, betrayed, uh, stripped, ridiculed, beaten, and crucified. And his heart is so heavy and he's so broken, and they say that he's sweating tears of blood because he is in such anguish. 
And so he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. And this is what he prays, Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup, which is talking about suffering, remove this suffering from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He says, Father, you know my heart. You know what I, if I could have it my way, I would not want to endure this stuff. If you are willing, please remove all the suffering from me. But, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And this is the prayer of faith that God is calling us to. Yeah, we are to lift up our, off, our prayers and our requests and everything that's on our hearts. Just as Jesus Christ did. But in the end, we say, but your will be done. I want to trust in your perfect gift. Even if my gift is my, you know, I'm going to survive and not get beaten and tortured and crucified, even if that's my gift, I will gladly give that up and say, you have a better gift in store. And he went to the cross. And we know that he received the best gift, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he's provided that best gift to us. Where now we can look to the cross, we can look to Jesus Christ, trust in him, and he will save us, that we will find salvation and life, that all our sins will be forgiven on that cross because of his obedience, because he said, God, I'm praying to you, and I'm asking for you this, this request, but... In the end, I want your perfect gift. And we've received that perfect gift. And it's this very death that Jesus died that brought glory to God. And as sinners, now you and I, we can enter into this presence. That we can ask God, that we can seek, and we can knock. And God promises that we can find. Because of what Christ has done. It's the sacrifice of Jesus that allows this uh, privilege for us. And I'm going to close with this last verse in Romans 8.32. And I think this should exhort us as we go off. It says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? For us Christians, as we believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins, that God was willing to give up his one and only son, down the cross for our sins. That was his gift to us, his most precious gift, his most perfect gift. If, he, if he's willing to give us that, this passage says, you don't have to be concerned about everything else. You can be confident in knowing that if he's going to give you his son, all this other stuff, it's no problem for him. He can give you everything and anything, and, and you'll know that it won't be too much or too hard because he's already given you his one and only son. So the heart is, as we come to the Lord, as we pray, that you will come genuinely with your heart broken and with your needs and all the things that are on your heart, that burden your heart, but at the same time to come with this request to increase our faith, to trust in Him, to know that even if we were not to receive this gift that we think is so precious, to say, God, I want your perfect gift above all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for an opportunity to come before you and to hear your word, God. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us 
of how you how much you love us God that you are our father that you care for us that you want to hear from us and that you want to give us the very best and sometimes we come to you God with our requests and we offer it up and there are times when we're discouraged or when we feel like you're not hearing but help us Lord to increase our faith to grow in our faith to trust that your gift for us is what's best to lean on you to even as hard as it might sound to put down the things in our lives that we think are our gifts and say I just want to have the gifts that the Lord provides help us to walk in faith we love you in Jesus name we pray